because he was acting as a – I just got the first part of your question. I thought you said that Judge Hamilton was acting as a defense attorney. I thought you said that Judge Hamilton was acting as a Check one. Surprise. Well, good morning, FCC Church. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to another wonderful Sunday morning here at FCC. Hello? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Again? Good morning, FCC Church. There we go. Could you please stand up and worship along with us? Thank you. <laughs> to say 
is here to set the captives free. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's rolling with power and fighting a battle. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin. Corinthians chapter 9 verse 15 said thanks be to God for his indescribable gift amen to that let's pray God thank you for loving us Uh, thank you for letting us know you Uh, thank you for letting us have the freedom to come to this church and loudly proclaim we love you Lord I ask you to help us with this time allow us to put away our distractions our worries the things that stress us out and God it's all about you thank you for loving us Jesus I pray amen well good morning family hey I'm, I'm glad you guys braved the cold Probably had to do some snow shoveling to get out of your house today, but I'm really glad you guys did that for the church, and I'm glad you're worshiping. Hey, if you're watching online, I'm, I'm glad you're with us also. Um, let's take just a, a couple minutes. You're here to worship, but let's take a few minutes to, to walk around and say some hellos, find someone you don't know or don't know very well, and, and say hello to them too.
Mr. Jean Call. Jean Call to the platform, please. Jean Call. Calling Jean Call.
Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. This is what the Lord, the King of Israel, and its Redeemer, the Lord of Armies, says. I am the first, I am the last. There is no God but me.
walking the wayside Lost on a lonely road I was chasing the highlight Trying to satisfy my soul Introducing a new song for you all to kick off the holiday season.
Behold, the King has come. Divinity incarnate, Creator of the world, breathing our air. Behold, what light has come, and the dark cannot contain it. The
Hey, just out of curiosity, and you don't have to raise your hand or anything, just maybe a nod. This is our, our fifth and final week in the Dark Horse series, talking about um, unusual leaders. If you've been here for the last four weeks, would you be able to tell me all four of the previous Dark Horse leaders we talked about? I'm just curious. If you knew them all without, without looking at your notes, could you do it? Oh, good. I, I feel bad because I was, I was sitting and thinking, and it, we started with Deborah, and I couldn't for the life of me remember the second one. That was King Josiah, and then we went Lydia, and then Thief on the Cross, and it was driving me crazy. I, I couldn't remember with, without cheating. So I'm, I'm glad, family, you're, you know, right there with me. There's, a, there's an old saying, and, and you probably heard it. With anyone with kids, they, they tell their kids something very similar. It it's, goes along the lines of, you have to eat your Brussels sprouts first to get your either pie or cake or dessert or whatever it is, ice cream. And maybe it's not Brussels sprouts. Maybe it's, I don't know, green beans, broccoli. I don't, I don't know what the vegetable of choice was, but there's, there is that saying, have to eat your Brussels sprouts before you get dessert. And for most kids, most Whatever it is before cake, it doesn't matter what it is, it's Brussels sprouts. It doesn't matter how good the food is. When there's cake or pie or ice cream involved, typically whatever it is they have to eat first, it's not good. And I'm going to be honest here, family. Last week was my Brussels sprouts, and today is my dessert. I am so excited. I wanted to preach it last week. I just wanted to skip last week's sermon altogether. I just wanted to preach this sermon twice. Maybe you're, maybe you're like me here, and, and maybe not, but oftentimes we, we jump into Scripture and we, we're talking about these, these people in, in Scripture, and we read about them, we study them, then we hear about them, we think about them, and I, I look at them, and I, I honestly, family, I, I think about it, and I go, that's just not me. You know, we, we read the story of, of David and Goliath. You know, here's this giant of a man who's seen battle, who was a well-known fighter, He's taunting the Israelite army, and here comes young David. He hears them, and he, he essentially says, who is going to go fight him to stop him from speaking? And I look at that and go, nope, that's not me. If there is a giant of the man sitting outside this church that wants to fight today, I'm going out the fire exit. The, uh, the notion for fight or flight with me running is strong. Or I, I read about... I, I read about First uh, Samuel chapter 3 and, and here's young Samuel and he's laying in bed at night and he said someone called to him at night and he got up and he went in the other room and he asked Eli, Eli he said you called me what do you want and Eli said it, it wasn't me calling you son and he went back in bed and he laid down and he heard a voice again calling his name I'm, I'm going to tell you honestly family if I am laying in the dark and I hear someone calling my name I'm moving out my family, if they can keep up with me, good luck. But I am moving out that place. Where we read in First, First Kings, here's the prophet Elijah, and he's out preaching to the people, and he's got a crazed woman, Jezebel, who wants to kill him, who has already successfully killed hundreds of prophets. I'm, I'm going to be honest, family. If crazy Jezebel is in the front of the church... I'll meet you down in the parking lot. I'm gone. Because I, I look at that stuff and I, I hear these passages and I go, mm, that's just not really me. I, I don't really relate to that. I, I, I don't have that kind of courage. I, I just take, take off. But today, today is my cake. 
Today is my dessert. Today is my ice cream, and I am so excited. This is our fifth and final passage we're talking about in the Dark Horse series. We're going to be in the book of Acts. We're going to turn our pages just a little bit, not a lot, but we're going to be in Acts the entire time. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 15, and you've got to turn here with me because this, this is it, you guys. This, is, this makes me so happy, and, and I'm so happy, and I've gotten my notes written slow because typically the, the happier I get, the faster I talk. So I've got slow written, so I don't start talking real fast. You guys can't hear me, so I'm, I'm going to do really good, I'm, I promise. Acts chapter 15, I'll give you just a, a minute to get there, but you've got to go fast because I don't, I don't want to wait anymore. Acts chapter 15 we're going to be in verse 36 and through 40, and after we're done here, we're going to turn just a little bit, but not a lot, I promise. So Acts chapter 15, verse 36, let's read together. And it said, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit, uh, visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them, from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them in the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord there is a section here, very small. Barnabas and Paul were on their first missionary journey, and they took someone, and right there, when they said, let's go back to the cities that we were at and see how they're doing, Barnabas wanted to go get John Mark, and Paul didn't. So let's, let's back up just a hair. We've, we've got to see this. Now we're going to be in Acts chapter 13. We're going to be in verse hmm, 38, I think. No, no, let's not do that. I can't fill my spot. Verse 13. There it is. They're in the missionary journey. Acts 13, 13, it says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Pamphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. And here's the words, And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. So here is, here is what's going on for those who don't know the first missionary journey. Here is Paul, took Barnabas. They went on their very first missionary journey. They took John, Paul, uh, John Mark with him. And in the middle of the mission journey, John Mark left sounds normal right and we look at that and there's there's been some arguments some said well they think john mark had some sickness or his family was sick so he left others believe that john mark and paul and barnabas started disagreeing about circumcision but what we have here is the most important thing is sometimes in service expectations versus reality so Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark are on this missionary trip, and all of a sudden John Mark leaves. We don't know why, but what I believe happened is in the verses ahead of it. You don't have to look at this. Look at this when you get home. From verse, chapter 13, verse 4 down to 12, it's their first time out, and it said there was one person recorded that converted to Christianity. That was all that was recorded. There was one person that, that heard what they were preaching and said, I'm going to follow. And I think, personally, 
I think John Mark went on this missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, and he had this idea of what it was going to be, and it was not. And what did John Mark do? John Mark did what Jerry did. John Mark left. I love John Mark here. What's that old saying? When the, when the going gets tough, the tough get, what's that word? See, you guys know that saying, but that saying's incorrect. You're missing a word. It's really, when the going gets tough, the tough goes home. That's what it is. And I love this because this speaks to us today. I don't know how many times someone gets involved in a ministry, a service project, something they're doing for the church or for God, and then they come later and they get that look in their eyes where it's, it's a kind of like a sheepish look and they're slightly embarrassed and they go, this isn't really exactly what I expected. I really think I need to quit. And I, I hear it all the time. And they, they have this idea... They have this idea that when people start serving the church, serving God, serving a mission, serving an outreach, whatever it is you're going to call it, they have this idea that when they start serving, it's smooth sailing. And I go, uh-uh-uh. Church work is messy. Church work is hard. Serving God is hard. People are difficult. We are always going to face, face these, these obstacles in church service Half this book is written about people trying to serve God and the obstacles they face. I love the fact that when John Mark was serving, here he is with these super evangel the, the evangelists, these, these super people in church, Paul and Barnabas. He's out serving, and one person is recorded to have a, a, a conversion here. I love that. Man, I love that. It makes me so happy. It makes me so happy to know that when John Mark went on this missionary journey, I believe he thought it was going to somehow be way different, and it wasn't. And what did he do? He went home. He packed up, and he went home. I don't know how many times I've, I've heard or even said the same words when someone's involved in ministry. They go, this isn't what I expected. It's probably one of my, my top two favorite sayings about this church or churches in general. I, I tell my wife all the time, we'll be sitting somewhere at home and something's happened and I'll say, they didn't teach me this in Bible college. They didn't, they didn't tell me about this. Or something will happen. And, and you know how it is. Is The more involved you get in ministry, it's not just First Christian Church. You get involved with different programs, different groups. And so essentially, people that are serving the, the church, God's will, what they have is, is they have their little fingers in a whole bunch of different, different groups. You're involved in all sorts of things. Most people that love Jesus that want to get plugged in, they're not only serving first Christian, they're serving all other different directions. And I remember there was one time, and, and I had my fingers in all these different things, and we, we lost seven people in, in the span of 30 to 60 days to death. And I, I thought to myself, and, and here's the problem, they were people I really liked. You know, God was, was taking all these people I really liked. And I remember I sat, I sat in, the, in the bed and I, I looked over at Aaron and I said, I don't, I don't think I can do this forever. I don't, I don't know if I signed up for this. I don't know if I signed up because I, I feel like death is hunting me. I feel like, like death is taking everyone I love. And, and family, this is what John Mark was going through. 
I believe he signed up for this, this mission work. He was going out with these, these super evangelistic people. Here's Paul. He was on fire for the church. He was ready to spread it everywhere, and they get to their first spot, and one person is recorded to say have been converted. I think John Mark looked around and said, this is not what I signed up for. And family, I want to I say this right now. Church work is messy. Serving God is messy. Serving God is hard because we are dealing with people and it is often a challenge. And so sometimes we get these ideas that everything's smooth sailing. I'm going to tell you, family, it's not. In fact, quite frequently, successful ministries are never smooth sailing because I do not believe evil wants our work to be smooth. Let's, let's, back, let's go back into Acts chapter 15. And something happens here, and I, I want to point this out. We don't want to miss it. Back into our passage. Now this time we're going to start in verse 37. It says, Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed. We're going to stop at those words right there. A sharp disagreement. It's our, it's our second one. And most of you know this, but if you don't, I'm, I'm going to tell you, and this is important. You ready for it? Believers do have disagreements. Believers do have arguments. My curiosity is getting the best of me. I, I, I want to share this with you. You can think what you want. Do you think John Mark was around for this argument? I wonder that. Here's Paul saying, I don't want John Mark. Here's Barnabas saying, I do want John Mark. I wonder, were they having this disagreement around John Mark? Does John Mark know that Barnabas left Paul to stay with him? That, I, I'm curious about that. It would be like sitting in this congregation and the person in front of you is arguing, saying, hey, should we invite that person behind us to our birthday party? And one says, no, I hate that person. Other one says, I, I, I like him. I wonder that. Did, did John Mark know that these two men are arguing? One says, I don't want them. One says, I do. That would hurt my feelings. Listen, if, if you're going to invite me somewhere and someone there hates my guts, please don't tell me. Just, just leave that to yourself. Don't, you don't need to say, hey, Jerry, that guy right there, he hates you. Man, just leave, leave me alone. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Keep it a secret. But something weird here happens. You ready for it, family? Let's go back. Let's look at these words. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Something's missing here, family. I don't, I, don't see where, I don't see where Paul started swearing and cursing at Barnabas. Do you? I, I don't see where, where Barnabas told Paul that if they don't take John Mark, he's going to remind all the believers what Paul did when he was not a believer. Are we missing something here? Do you notice the difference here? See, they have a disagreement, and what do they do? They simply say, I'm going to go my own, my, my own way. They didn't fling mud. They didn't call each other names. They didn't say, I'm going to burn this place to the ground. Do you notice the difference of their arguments compared to arguments we frequently have in churches today? They had a disagreement, and they handled it in a loving Christian manner. Why? Because believers do and will have disagreements. It's a good sign. 
if I was to go and interview at a church and I sat before the leadership team and I said to them, I would say, tell me about the last disagreement you had in this church. If they would look around that room and say, we don't argue. I can't tell you the last time that we argued. That to me would be a major red flag. I would look at them and say, do you not have a passion to reach the people? Because it sounds like to me, people that, that never have a disagreement are simply lethargic. They don't care. It's like that old age running joke. A husband and wife are sitting in the living room and the husband says, where do you want to go to get dinner? And the wife says, and you know what happens, I don't care, honey, wherever you want. And the husband says, okay, let's go here. And the wife says, and you know what's going to happen, no, not there. And the husband says, okay, let's go here. And the wife says, no, 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 no not there. I don't want to go there either. And the husband goes, well, where do you want to go? And see, that's what, that's what happens in church. You should have passionate people who say, I want to reach this community this way, and someone else who is equally passionate says, no, I want to do it this way, and they're going to butt heads, and there is nothing wrong with that. It's a sign of healthy, passionate people who are going to have some disagreements, how to use our resources, how to use our funds, how to use our passion to reach the people, and we're allowed to have disagreements there. It's a sign of healthy, engaged people. In our youth programs back here, oftentimes we don't, a lot of the parents aren't involved because I want the kids to feel comfortable saying whatever they want to say because frequently it's about the parents. And frequently parents, the kids will sit in there and, and they'll raise their hand for a prayer request and they'll pray, they'll say, man, my parents are arguing all the time. I just want them to stop. And I'll tell them and I'll tell everyone the same thing. I said, arguing not is not necessarily a sign that everything's terrible. Arguing doesn't, doesn't mean that the world's coming crashing down. I said, you need to be more concerned about when the parents never, ever, 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 ever have a disagreement because they simply don't care about the other. People are allowed to have a disagreement. We're allowed not to see eye to eye. A marriage that doesn't see eye to eye means just simply two passionate people about the relationship are seeing different directions. The problem is, is how do we handle that? How do, we, how do we take a disagreement and handle it with a Christian perspective? How do we do it without screaming and cursing, calling names, flinging mud, burning this place to the ground? I'll give you a for instance. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but do you know that I do not say eye to eye with everything this church does? Do you know that? Surprising, huh? I'll, I'll give you an example. The, the best example I have right here is, is that set of drums right back there. I don't remember how long ago it was, but, but some people came and, and they, they presented the idea to our leadership team. They said, hey, we want these, these electric drums. And they, they presented their ideas and they said, it's going to make the worship better. It's this better, this better, this better, whatever. And I, I said in my head when they were presenting this, I said, that's a terrible idea. I thought to myself, that is, that is probably one of the goofiest, silliest ways to spend money but luckily, I, I kept that to myself because, uh, honestly, the drums and the music, that's just not my area of expertise. It was just my opinion, so I, I just shut my mouth because I can't hear half the things happening anyways. So it doesn't really matter. I just I bit my tongue, and I remember the very first week we had them in here, I was sitting right there, and they were playing away, and I thought to myself, that is delightful. 
I'm really glad, I'm really glad they bought those drums. Now I don't hear this bong, 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 bong ringing in the middle of service, and I thought to myself, I am so glad I kept my big mouth shut. Because I was simply wrong. I was wrong. But the problem is, is oftentimes in disagreements, we speak before we know, and when we find out that we're wrong, we have two options. Option number one is to admit that we're wrong, and I don't know about you, but I, I'm not a big fan of that. Or option number two, we simply double down and we just bury our teeth in it and go, I'm never going to admit I'm wrong. Christians can and do have disagreements. We should have passionate people who have a disagreement of how we're going to reach the world for Jesus Christ, but we need to do that, and we need to do it in a nice Christian manner without mud-flinging, without screaming, without swearing, without threatening to burn the whole place down. We should do it because we love Jesus Christ, and that's how we act. Now, the last thing, the last part here. Let's read it one more time, and after the words, you can close your, your Bible. We're going to skip down just a hair down to, uh, where do I want to start? Oh, there's so much here I want to I read. Let's start right there. It said, But Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark, those are the words, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. We're just going to stop there because that right there is, is probably the most important part, I think, to me. I look at John Mark and I look at this passage and I go, yep, I can relate to John Mark. I can't relate to Samuel. I can't relate to King David. I can relate to John Mark. Ministry was tough. He went home. I, I don't think he was sick. I don't think there was a disagreement over theology. I believe he went into that ministry. He thought it would be different. They got to their first city. Only one person was recorded to be converted. He simply said, nope, I'm going home. And these words right here, and this is the most important part to me personally, past doesn't always indicate future. See, if we didn't have the rest of Scripture, we would look at this, this passage of Scripture and we'd go, that's nice. No, that's nice. John Mark kind of got discouraged. He went home, and Barnabas wanted to go back and get him. That's nice. But the problem is, is we don't have just this. We have a bigger picture. So after the argument, Barnabas took, took John Mark with him and continued on. But then sometime later, these words were written in Philemon chapter 1, verse 24. This is Paul. Paul calls John Mark a fellow worker. I want you to notice the shift here. See, on their first missionary journey, it would have more than likely been Paul and Barnabas as the bosses. And John Mark would have been very similar as to an assistant. He would have been there to help them, been there to get their stuff. Uh, anything that needed to be done, manual labor type things, John Mark would have been there. John Mark went from being a helper, an assistant, he went from being an assistant to the, the man that ran, an abandoner, a person that just quit. He went from a helper, assistant, to a quitter, and then next, all of a sudden, in Philemon 1, 24, a fellow worker. That's an elevation of the, the status that John Mark was viewed at. Assistant, quitter, and all of a sudden, now he's a fellow worker. And then what's even better is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Paul is sitting in a Roman prison. He writes Timothy. He says, get John Mark and bring him with you. He is a helper to me. 
He went from an assistant nah, to a quitter to an equal to someone who benefits me. See, past doesn't always dictate the future. Past doesn't always indicate. See, at one point in time, Paul looked at, at John Mark as simply nothing else but a runaway or a quitter, an abandoner, whatever words you want to use. He went from nothing to someone that Paul didn't even want with him to someone who says, hey, please come serve me when I'm in prison. I need you. See, past doesn't always indicate the future. That's why I love John Mark. See, if I was John Mark, I would have ran. I know I would have. I would have taken off. I'm like, nope, nope. Nope, I'm going home. Mom's cooking. I got my bed there. It's comfortable. I'm leaving. I know I would have. And so much so that, that Paul didn't even want him. The person that he was serving didn't even want him to come with him. See, we, we look at this, this passage, and, and honestly, more than likely, you're going to fall under one of three categories of these people. There's John Mark, there's Barnabas, and there's Paul. You relate to one of them. I relate to John Mark. If you relate to John Mark like me, look at this, th this idea here. He ran, he messed up, he quit, he didn't quit forever. His past did not indicate what his future would be like. And so if you've got mess-ups, you've got screw-ups, you've got failures, you've got quits in the past, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be that way in the future. It doesn't matter what people have looked at and said to you or, or said about you or said about you behind your back. Just because you messed up once in the past does not indicate that your future is trash. I love that. Or maybe, maybe you don't relate to John Mark, but you do relate to Paul. You say, yeah, I look at Paul. That, that might be who I am. You're serving God, and the person that you picked to go with you ran away. Do you know how obnoxious that is? That is really irritating. That would be like me if I took the teens to a California trip and my adult helper that I, I had there to, to be in the ladies' hotel room said, nope, I'm going. I would be so angry if my helper left in the middle of my journey. I couldn't even describe how mad I would be. I'm going to tell you right now, the phone call I have with Aaron is not going to be nice. It would be Aaron who probably showed up in the middle of the night after driving 10 hours to California because someone quit. If you relate to Paul and you say, I can't believe that person quit, I want you to think of this. Just because someone messed up in the past does not mean they're going to mess up in the future. And it would have been really easy for Paul to look at John Mark and never, ever give him a second look and say, nope, he's the one that quit. Instead, what does he do? Time later, he calls him a fellow worker. He recognizes what, what John Mark is doing. And then not only recognizes what John Mark's doing, he moves past the quitting and then goes saying, please come here and help me. I need you. So either you recognize yourself as a John Mark, a quitter, or you recognize yourself as a Paul, someone that's been hurt by someone's errors. Or third, you view yourself as a Barnabas. Man, we need, we need more Barnabases in the church. A Barnabas is a man that looks at a fellow worker, someone in the ministry, and says, I know you messed up. I'm going with you. We need more Barnabases in the church that said, you know what? I know what you did. I know that you got scared, you ran, you quit. Whatever it is, whatever the statement is, we need more Barnabases that will look at them and say, 
you know what? I know what you did in the past. Let's move forward. Let's move forward into that. And here's the interesting thing, and, and this is not factually proven, but most historians believe that John Mark eventually became known as what they called Mark the Evangelist. Mark the Evangelist is the one that was with Peter. Peter was the one that was with Jesus. They believe Mark the Evangelist was with Peter, who was the interpreter for the book of Mark. They believe Peter told John Mark what to write in the gospel of Mark. They also believe this John Mark that ran when they were in, in Pamphylia, the one that ran because one person got converted, they believe this is the individual that was sent to Egypt first to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That would mean this is the Mark, the evangelist, who started the very first church in Alexandria. That, it was the, that would be, this is the Mark, the evangelist, that was the one who brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to the continent of Africa first. It's that John Mark. And let me, let me point this out to you, family. It was Barnabas, I believe, who put his back up against John Mark, took the heat for him, stood behind him when, when Paul said, no, I'm done. It was Barnabas who stood behind him, took the pressure, and allowed John Mark to become Mark the Evangelist. I believe it was Barnabas who took the heat off John Mark. It was him who stood up for him and owned his failures to allow John Mark to become Mark the Evangelist, who changed the face of evangelism in that region, who wrote down the words in the book of Mark that we read weekly. It was that Mark. Most historians believe that, and I believe if it wasn't for Barnabas putting his neck on the line for John Mark... I believe we would have lost a hero, a hero to the faith. We need more Barnabases that not only say, I recognize your talent, I know what you did in the past, I know your errors, but I'm going to stand up and I'm going to stand in between you and the pressure you're facing. I've got you. I believe John Mark went on way more successfully in ministry than Barnabas did. But I believe that never would have happened if it wasn't Barnabas standing beside John Mark and saying, I'm going to be here with you. And family, you know who that is in this church? That's you. It's you. It's me. We need more people who can see people and know their, their failures, know their mess-ups, know their shortcomings, and say, you might have messed up in the past, but I know you've got a future. And I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to stand between you and the things that are coming at you, the attacks, the hurt. I'm going to stand up so much so I'm willing to leave my friend and go with you. That's where we come in, family. You're typically going to be one of the three. You're going to be John Mark, you're going to be Paul, or you're going to be Barnabas. And we talk about this, this dark horse, these, these unusual leaders we have in the faith. Who would have thought that John Mark, the man that, that ran in the middle of the first missionary journey with the Apostle Paul, who would have thought that he would have went on and done the things that he has done? That eventually that Paul would come around and say, I need him. As our band comes up and leads us in the song of decision, that value that Barnabas placed on John Mark 
is very similar to the value that Jesus Christ has placed on us. We see that when he was willing to give his life and die on the cross. If you have not made that decision and said, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus, you're gonna miss out. Hey, if you're watching online and you wanna make that choice, get a hold of me, get a hold of the office. I will make some arrangements, we'll make it happen. Or maybe you're having a rough week, you want some prayers, come on down, we'll pray with you. Also, and I know most of you know this, but on your connection card, there's that prayer. If you have a prayer request, put it on there. We see them, we pray about them. It's important. If it's confidential, mark it. Or you're a baptized believer, you love First Christian Church, want to be part of our family, hey, come on up, we'll welcome you with open arms. Let's stand as we get ready to sing.
Most of you in this room just sang, sang the words as a church, we're ready for you. And I, I have to ask the question, is that, is that true? Or are, we just simply, are we simply just singing words on a screen? Or are we a church that's ready for you? Maybe you're different than me, but the week before October to January 3rd is nothing but a blur. The days go so fast, there's one thing after another, there's a party, there's a get-together, there's a recital, there's a sports event, there's this, there's this, everything is moving so quick, you gotta get, you gotta get your groceries, you gotta get your presents, you gotta get your trips planned, everything is so busy. And then all of a sudden you blink and it's January 3rd and we're making jokes about writing new dates on your checkbook. And I, I wonder, do we do the same thing in this church? where it's just simply a blur. Each, each Sunday morning service is just simply a blur. We, we come, we worship, we sing, we shake hands, we listen to a message, we shake some juice, we go home. Is it just a blur? Because if it is, that's, that's the beauty of, of communion, I think, is it's a moment that we have as our congregation just to slow down, to take a, take a little cracker and a, and a little bit of juice and remember the fact that Jesus gave his life up for us and it's not a blur, it's not a rush, it's not something else we have to do on the checklist, but this is, this is so important because we are taking a moment to remind ourselves that Jesus loved us and he loved us that much. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the, the times that we get to, to celebrate the ups and downs in life and, and God, even sometimes when it's so busy it just seems to fly by. Lord, I ask you to, to take this time that we have and, and help us not just race through it, but, but actually remember what this means to us. As a baptized believer, you gave your life up so that we can have forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for loving us. Jesus, I pray. Amen.
if you have your bulletins, there's lots of stuff in here. You have to check it out because you can't blame me if you don't know. Um, so this, tonight, no youth activities, but there is Roger's Sunday Night Life group if you go. Monday, of course, is Stitches of Love. Tuesday is the LOL group. This Wednesday, no adult Bible study and no more adult Bible study through the, the year. This is the last teen Bible study. So if you go to the teen Bible study, last one, of course, we have our groups on Thursday. Friday at 10 o'clock, we're doing the church decorating. If you want to come decorate the church, do it. Come here. Uh, Saturday is our pancake breakfast and a, a bridal shower for Kelly at 2. And the other side, I believe this is the last week for our... Um, scriptural objections to our nomination committee. We have our annual business meeting. It's coming up soon. It's in there. All the important stuff is in there, so, so check it out. That way you know. And if you go in the back of your bulletin, you'll, you'll see a list of our praises and prayer concerns. Wachuca Hospitality House has moved into their new home. That's their, that's their praise, and it's got an address there if you're involved with Wachuca Hospitality House. And of course, our special concerns, pray for our country, pray for our world, our nation. A lot of weird things going on. It was nice. Some of our, our health concerns were at, at first service today. It was nice seeing them all, all in here. Um, of course, we always, we always want to pray for our deployed troops, those who have uh, affiliations to our, our, our congregation, our shut-ins. Like always, I say it. I'm a broken record. If you have a moment, take a time to write a letter, visit, call. Our shut-ins would appreciate it. And our outreach this month that we're, we're focusing on is Operation Christmas Child. If you have a box that you've not turned in, turn it in soon. But no matter what, even if you miss this box date, don't throw your boxes away. We've had people that have gotten rid of their boxes because they thought it was too late and they just disposed of them. Please don't do that. Even if you show up a month late, get our boxes here. We'll, we'll take care of them. We'll make it get to where it needs to be. But it's, it's all there. So take your list home. Pray about them. Um, it's important. Uh, what we'll do is we'll, we'll stand We'll have a few minutes of quiet, a few moments, and then uh, we'll, we'll close in prayer, and we're going to face the world. Let's stand together. Lord, we, we don't deserve uh, the love and the compassion you have for us. Uh, we certainly can't earn it. Thank you for letting us know you. Thank you for letting us, letting us know you better through scriptures. Lord, I ask you as, as we prepare to leave this building, Lord, will you give us the courage to say what we need to say? Will you give us the ability to live a life that glorifies you and our actions, not just our word? Uh, Lord, if it's your will, will you put someone in our path this week that needs to hear about you? And will you give us the courage to uh, tell them about you and invite them to this, this great family of believers? Lord, thank you for letting us understand you a little bit better. Thank you for this time that we have to worship together. Father, keep us safe as we leave. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.